I'm gonna I'm gonna continue. You guys know if you've been here, you know I've been uh really trying to stick real close to teaching on kingdom. Uh going through a series on that if you want to call it that. Um going back to the basics is really what, what we're doing with this. Because I fully believe that if you don't understand something, then you won't do it. Let me say that in a different way. If you don't understand something, you won't walk in it. There's no way to, okay? But if I really embrace it, and I truly understand it, and it makes sense to me, I'll begin to walk in that thing. That thing will begin to just be a part of my life now, and it's a natural thing. It's not something that's forced. It's not something I'm doing because I want to look like a good Christian. It's who I am. It changes my whole identity. I used to be this, but now. I used to do this, but now. It changes everything about us. We got too many Christians, and I'm not, see, normally I would say we got too many people. And automatically, when I would say that, people would automatically think, oh, he's talking about all those, all those hypocrites out there, all those non believers on the outside. That's why I don't say people anymore. We got too many Christians, believers, who are supposed to be Christ-like Christian that are walking around lost. That are walking around struggling day in and day out. And it's simply, I believe, because we don't understand our true identity. They are people that's living life today still fighting demons from 25 years ago. Because somebody at one time called you an addict. Somebody at one time called you an alcoholic. Somebody at one time said you wasn't good enough because of what you was doing or what you said or whatever the case may, may have been. And you, 20 years later, are still walking around with that same identity that you're that person. That's not who you are anymore. I like to call it identity crisis, and I believe that's what's wrong with the, with the church today is we don't know who we are. And I fully believe that if I don't understand who I am, the first thing I'm going to do is always act like somebody else. I'm going to take on the persona of somebody else. But when I can get in the Word of God and begin to realize, who am I? Who am I? I don't care what this person does or the anointing that person has. God, just like I told you earlier, what I've done in this order, say, God, give me my ministry. Show me what you've put on the inside of me that I can do like nobody else can. And, and I love it. I, I, I'm grateful. I never planned when I was younger to be a counselor, be a therapist. I never planned that out. That wasn't one of my life goals. But God moved me into an area, even professionally, where every day all I do is help people discover who they are and teach them to change their mindset. And now I stand on Sundays in a pulpit and I help people try to discover who they are and help them change their mindset. It all comes together. I didn't plan it out like that. I had, I had different plans. I was going to be in a ball stadium somewhere hitting a baseball or coaching. I mean, I didn't plan on doing what I'm doing now. But God calls us. He, he, he aligns things up sometimes and, and they just happen. And I can go my way and say, God, I want you to be involved. 
Or I can say, God, I'm going to go your way, whatever your will be done. And when we do that, man, things just fall in place. Not only for us, but for the people around us. It's amazing what God can do. Let me start out. I always like to start out with a question. Is it possible for someone to be taken out of bondage, but the bondage not be taken out of them? Hmm. I think about that question. Because we think that if somebody is snatched out of bondage, then the bondage is no longer there. So think about that question. Can somebody be taken out of bondage, but the bondage not be taken out of them? I think this is where the church is now. Some of you might not like some of the things I'm going to say today. That's okay. You pray for me because I'm going to say it anyway. Because I think we've got people walking around in the churches today that are born again, they're out of bondage, but the bondage is still in them. Can I say it another way? Stuff, whatever you want to call it. Everybody's got their own little thing. We're not going to go through and start hand selecting, you done this and you done this. We all got our stuff. If you don't, then help the rest of us. Because we all got it. We all still mess up. So saving someone is easy. I said that a while ago. At this altar, saving somebody is easy. It's, and and, it's, and it's, here's what's great about it. It's instant. Lord God, you come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross. I, I, please come in and save me. I know we like to think that we got to add all kind of other stuff on it. We got to get 12 people up here laying hands on you. We got to get this oil up here and we got to sprinkle all over you. You got to repeat after me and don't miss a word. You say exactly what I, that ain't even biblical. Now I know that messes with people. That's, that's not even biblical. Go back and find me in the Bible where Jesus led his disciples through the sinner's prayer. I would say that I'm just going to wait until you find it, but we'll be here all day because you ain't going to find it. Oh, Pastor Brian saying salvation ain't important. No, I'm not. Salvation is the most important thing, but we have put such an importance on it that we don't know what comes next. We get stuck at the altar. That's why I love, that's why I told, see, I always knew God was going to bring that back for a reason. That's why God brought that back to me because that's what he said. He said, this is important. You got to have this. But what happens here? What happens on Monday morning, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, when life hits me again, when I'm not in church and I don't have goosebumps and everything ain't just seeming perfect? What happens next? See, most of the time, let's just be honest. You might have a great experience in here today. You might even say, man, that was a good word he preached. And it probably ain't gonna last no longer than the parking lot. Because that's just the way we are as humans. I hope, I see some of you taking notes. I hope, it's, I hope it lasts longer than that. That's what we're trying to get to though. When it becomes a lifestyle, I take it with me everywhere. 
like a diet. You know, some people says, oh, I'm on a diet, especially around January when New Year starts. Everybody goes on a diet. You know, a diet, a diet is temporary. Now, does that mean it's not success, that, that you can't be successful? No, you'll lose some weight. But it's temporary. You want to really get healthy, make a lifestyle change. Lifestyle means I'm not doing it temporarily just to lose a few pounds before I go to the beach. I'm doing it all the time now. It's, listen to this, I love this, it's a part of who I am now. It's not just something I do, it's who I am. Bible's the same way. This stuff is the same way. When God took me back from that altar, he said, this is what I've called you for. Listen, this up here at this altar, your salvation is between you and God. That's why he says in the word, he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I can talk you into it. I can talk well enough to convince somebody to get saved. We do it all the time at the church. We do it at revivals. We do it at youth camps. We do it everywhere. I mean, you get a youth pastor, but it's got a slick tongue. He'll have every one of those kids saved. And then Monday morning rolls around and these kids are back out there doing their thing again. And you're like, what? It's easy. But I don't just want that. I don't want just salvation just so we can say, oh, we got 55 saved today. I want to know that those people's life changed. This is instant. Transformation is long-term process. Transformation happens every single moment of every single day. How do I begin to live my life now where it lines up with the Word of God. How do I take the Spirit of God that happened up here on this altar when I asked Him to come into my life, the Holy Spirit took residence in me. How do I now begin to take my life and to take my thinking and get my thinking to line up with what my Spirit already knows? Your Spirit knows you're perfect. Your Spirit knows that there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. My head don't know that yet. How do you know that, Pastor? Because you beat yourself up every day. Spirit ain't looking at your junk. The Spirit ain't looking at you and say, you remember what you did 10 years ago? That ain't the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is looking at what's on the inside of you. He's looking and saying, you got so much potential. Why? Because I know what the Father put in you. And they are, he's looking at where you can go, and you're too busy looking at where you come from. Our mindset has to shift. That's what transformation is. It's taking my eyes off of that and putting them on where I'm headed to. It makes a difference. Getting saved and getting transformed are related, but very different if you look at their meaning. It's possible, possible to be saved from the, from the jaws of Satan, but taking them away a religious mindset is changing to a kingdom mindset. I hate to use these words, but I'm going to use them anyway. It may never happen for some folks. Now, when I said never, everybody's mind forgot what I said first. They're still saved. Okay? They still go into heaven. Their name's still written in the Lamb's Book of Life. They're still going to walk the streets of gold and find their mansion that's being prepared for them. All that's going to happen. But their life has not been transformed. And therefore, they're, they're, they're saved and living hell right here on earth. 
Why? Because I'm struggling. I'm beating myself up every day about what I've been through. I just can't seem to get it right. I keep, I'm, I, I'm going and going and then I fall down and I just can't seem to get it right. And, and they keep beating themselves up. Their mind always goes back to who they were and what they've done. I believe this happens for a couple of reasons. I believe that people either don't know what direction to take after salvation because some churches, as long as we get you saved and we write your name down and we put it on Facebook, how many got saved today? That's all we need. Come on now. That's all we need. We just need to tell you how many people that we saved from the clutches of hell. So people don't know what direction to go. I've seen people walk out, and I'm serious about this. I've seen people literally come up and turn their life over to God and walk out the door and say, what am I supposed to do? Why? Because they have nobody showing them what's next. How do I begin to live this life of a Christian? Because I don't want to fake it. It's easy to do that. I've done that the first few times I ever went to church. I remember I'd come back from college. I didn't go. To, I told you this before. I didn't go to college none. I mean, in church none when I was in college. None. I had other things I was doing. And I remember as soon as I got back to Alma, that first Sunday I was in church. Why? Because it was in me. I ran from it for about four years, but it was in me. The first chance I had when I got back, I went to church. And I remember I walked in there and, and I'm sitting, I can tell you, I know exactly where I was sitting at. And I was, I was sitting there and people's up and they're moving and they're dancing during praise and worship and I'm watching them. And I told you, I, I was watching these folks now. And then all of a sudden I'm, well, because everybody else is over there just going crazy. And I'm, I was standing here like this and I just, and all of a sudden, and a few minutes later, it might have been next Sunday. Both hands. And you're like, and you hear it instantly. Put your hands down, you hypocrite. You mean what you was just doing a month ago? And all of a sudden, y'all see them things in most churches where it says, in remembrance. The devil would bring back. I know that ain't representing the devil, but it made me think of that. Because the devil will bring back your remembrance of everything that you did. I don't care that you're in church and you're lifting your hands. That's his job is to come and steal, kill, and destroy. And he's trying to go ahead and kill every idea that you can get in your head about what it means to be a Christian. To go ahead and steal that joy, that peace, that comfort that you're getting that morning, I'm going to go ahead and take it away because I'm going to remind you of what you used to be. I'm going to remind you of what you was doing last month. Put your hands down, you hypocrite. I heard those words. And you know what I've done? Put them down. Why? Because I was hearing it. But then as I learned, as I, as I truly began to understand the Word of God, that's why I stand up here and I say so often now and it defends some people when I say it like this, but I don't care what you think. I really don't. I don't care anymore what people say about me or, oh, he's this. I don't care. Your opinion don't faze me. 
Your opinion does not phase the word of God that I put on the inside of me. And I, I'm not saying that in the way that I'm perfect. I'm saying that in a way I know who I am. And even when I slip up and make a mistake, guess what? I get up and I brush off and say, that ain't who you are, Brian. Keep going, keep going, keep going. That is not who you are anymore. And I may slip up and fall again, and I get back up and I dust off again. Why? Because that's not who I am, and I'm not going to stay in that place. We got to realize that. We got too many Christians falling and saying, well, might as well take a break here for a couple of years or longer until he decides to take me home. And that's their life. Whether it's 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years on this earth, that becomes their life. We're missing it. If that's our life, we're missing it. And I missed it for a long, long time, I can tell you. We're not missing it anymore. We're not going to miss it anymore. We're going to figure out who we are. We're going to figure out what the next step of this transformation process is. And we're going to begin to walk this thing out. I believe that, that God's got so much for us. I believe God don't care what you've done before. That you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Come on, now what happens when somebody dies? We say they passed away. Old things have passed away. Old things have died. Behold, everything is new. We got to grab that. But if you don't know the direction to take after salvation, you'll be lost. I also believe that some people are just so messed up in their mindset that they refuse to let go of it. You see, what the world offers us is everything that's enticing to our, to our five senses. I said it last week. It, it looks good. It smells good. It tastes good. It feels good. When we begin to look at things like that and the comfort and the joy and the peace is brought out of what looks good, smells good, tastes good, that's going to be what I gravitate to. But when I get to a, to a point of transitioning from world to kingdom, I look at this thing from a totally different perspective. And I will begin to let go of that. Yes, it may look good. And yes, there is pleasure in sin for a season. But see, what happens is that season turns into a lifestyle. Come on now. That season that should have been short and should have been brief and that fun things that happen during that season. Oh, I was just doing this drug just because, you know, it was fun. Yes, that's why, that's why people get addicted because it's fun. And guess what? You don't hear a lot of uh, ministers or counselors say this, but drugs work. What do you mean? If, if I got a headache and I go and grab a Tylenol, I fully expect that Tylenol to make my headache go away. If I'm feeling all messed up because I don't know who I am and I'm feeling all depressed and, and I just don't even want to be here and all of a sudden I go over there and hit that meth pop, it makes all those things go away. But it's temporary. But that's what I mean when I say it works. I'm not saying, I'm not condoning it. I'm not saying it's a good thing, but I'm telling you the truth in fact that it works. And to a lot of people, that is the only option they have. 
Because what happens is what was fun in this season now becomes necessary in the next season. And what I used to do for fun, now I have to do to live. Because I can't live without it. And we got so many people in this community that's in that position right now. Are they bad people? No. Most of them is really great people. But they're bound. They're, they're, they're stuck in a place. And it's easy for us to walk up as a, as a big bad Christian and say, that's wrong. Well, to us it is. But to them, it's the only thing that's worked. Come on, I know this is messing with some of you because of the way I'm saying this. This is, this is real. That's why I told uh, a couple of people the other day on last, a couple of Wednesday nights ago that I want to start a, a, a group here at this church that we can, we can start doing a recovery. I've, I've taught recovery and all that and celebrate recovery and all those classes. I've taught those for years. But I want to do a recovery kingdom style. I want to show people that, yes, you, you, you may still be in this. You may still be struggling with this. You may still have a desire for this. But let me tell you, there's a way to get out of it. There's a way to change your mindset. There's a way that you don't have to be bound anymore. There's something better. And when I give you the other option, now there's no need for that. Give me another option and I'll let something else go. But the problem is we're not giving them any options. And the options we are giving them is not really enticing to them because they'd get up one day and they decide they want to go to church. And as soon as they walk in church, everybody says, come on now. That person feels so, so weird they don't even want to go anymore. Because all them church people do is talk about them. I know it's not us now. That's the other churches out there I'm talking about. But this is truth. That's why people don't want to come that's got problems. When we started this church, I said, this is what I want. I want a place where the hurting and the sick can come and feel safe. What does that mean? That means we won't beat them down. We won't kick them. We won't talk about them. We're going to cover them, and we're going to love them while they heal. While they heal is an implication that they're going to walk in the door hurt. They're going to walk in the door high. They're going to walk in the door messed up. And if you can't understand that and, and, and be okay with that, then you're probably in the wrong place. Because that's the ones I want. I want the people that says there's, just, there's nothing else. I've done everything I can do. And then we can say, well, let me show you what's next. After you've tried everything, now let me show you what's next. That's what we're called for. A couple of verses I want you to look at, and I'm going to have to keep around here a little bit and try to bring it to a close. Luke 4 and 43. Look at what he says here. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also. Because for, I love this. You know, sometimes some Christians would look at this and say, that must be a misprint. 
Because this is saying this is what his purpose is. He said, I must preach the kingdom of God to all the other cities. He says, for this purpose. Now, 90% of Christians would look at this and say, that's got to be a misprint because his purpose was to come and die on a cross and forgive me of my sins so I don't burn in hell. And I would say to you, no, that is not, was not his purpose. That was what happened to get us to where we are, but it was not his purpose. Well, how do you know that? Because he says it right here. I'm not telling you that because I think it. I'm telling you that because that's what the word of God says. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom to other cities also because for this purpose I have been sent. One more verse right here. Look at it. Uh, John 17 and 4. I have glorified you on earth. Now we do know this is Jesus, right? I have glorified you. He's talking to the Father. I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work in which you have given me to do. See, the death had to happen, but it was a byproduct. We do realize that when he says this right here, I have fit, I have finished ED past tense. It's done. When he was saying this, do we realize that he was saying it and he was still alive? He wasn't dead yet. So death could not be part of the purpose because he had already finished it. I know that messes with people because he come and died for me. That was a byproduct of what he'd done because he had to do that. But that was not the purpose of him coming. The purpose of him coming was to preach the gospel, to preach the kingdom, to preach the good news, and to not only preach it, but to now extend it. I'm going to think because Jesus was one man. He had 12 disciples. 13 people changed the world. And we think, well, when we get 50, 100 people in here, we'll really do something. He done it with 12. We don't need a whole lot of people if we've got people that understand who they are. You can do it with however many. To be saved in religious terms, especially in Christianity, this concept of salvation, it, it don't reflect God's original purpose. I'm going to mess with you a little bit now. I'm doing this so you'll hear me here at the end. It don't reflect God's original purpose and why Jesus had to come to earth. He wanted us to choose Him. Jesus walked around and He would be walking and people would start following Him just because there was things happening and you know, he, he was probably a very charismatic guy. I mean, I just, I, I picture Jesus probably different than you do. I don't know. I just picture him as a jokester, as a always cutting up, always walking around. People just gravitate to him. And he would walk by the worst of the worst. He would, he would walk by these, these prostitutes on the street, or he would walk by these tax collectors who was worse than the prostitute. He would walk by these people. And, and he's probably supposed to, in the Christian's eyes, in the Pharisees' and the Sadducees' eyes, he's supposed to rebuke them. 
I mean, he's supposed to, he's supposed to kill, cut them down quick. But I love Jesus. He walked by the worst one and he'd say, follow me. He didn't say when you get through saying this prayer. Come on. Follow me. I said this before and I'm going to end right here because I've still got pages of notes I'll never get to. Why did he do that? Why is that important? And why, what can it teach us here at the church today? He said, follow me. And then he became an example. Because when you're following me, I'm leading you. And if you watch me, I'm going to teach you. What we do in the church is we say, get saved. Do this. Get off those drugs. Quit slipping up drinking on Saturday night. Get your life together. Then you come. We, we put all these regulations and guidelines on it. That's not even biblical. That's not even what the Bible says. I, I'm going to follow Jesus. Some people say, well, why do you do it like that? Because I'm going to try my best. I'm not saying I'm Jesus now, but I am his little brother. And I'm going to look up to him and I'm going to follow what he did. And he walked up to the worst of the worst and he said, follow me. He walked up to a prostitute and he said, get up. He walked up to somebody who was hurt and he just lifted them up. He always loved them. He always was there for them first. And then the, when, they, when, he, when he got through it, he said, follow me. And as they followed him, they began to see a life that they wanted. And they began to emulate it. He took what was in him and he began to expand it. He didn't try to tell them to get saved first. He didn't tell them to get their life cleaned up first. He told the worst of them, follow me. We do it backwards here at the church. Maybe we need to get back to doing it like Jesus again. Maybe we need to just, just look at people and say, follow me. And just be an example. That's what he called us to. That's what the kingdom is all about. Kingdom expansion. King's domain. That means I have dominion, as we talked about a few weeks ago, as a, as a child of God, as a kingdom ambassador, I have dominion. And why am I a kingdom ambassador, as the Bible says? Because I'm not of, uh, of this world. I live here, but I'm not of this world. I'm from a different place. And when you send someone to a different place, but they represent where they come from, they're an ambassador. Listen, we, our ambassador to China does not go over to China and do what he wants to do. He don't, he don't sit down with the president of China and say, well, I think this is what we're going to do on behalf of the United States. No, he is there representing the United States and he's got to do what we tell him to do because he's an ambassador. You're an ambassador of the kingdom. You're a kingdom ambassador. You are sent from another place into a different place and your goal and your job is to take where you're at and make it look just like the other place. Colonize it. Go back and study your history. When you, when you study that history, you'll, you'll start understanding colonization. Colonization is important in understanding the kingdom because that's what we're doing. We're colonizing. 
I could break that word colonize down a little bit more too, and some of you would like it because it it talks about the uh, the colon, and it talks about the stuff that comes out of the colon. So you, you can really go back and study that. There's some things we got to get rid of when they colonized. They got rid of certain stuff. They went into one community and they said, "You've been doing this for how many years? You've been talking like this for how many years? It's gone. This is the way you're going to talk now. This is what you're going to do now. This is going to be the behavior now." We're going to turn this place into this place. But it's got to have a king. So we're going to send somebody over and they're going to rule it. God said, I've called you. I've given you the earth. He gave man the earth. He said, I'm not, I'm not going to rule it from heaven. See, that's, that's why that debunks that whole thing about what we always say, well, God is in control. God's given earth to man. You know why we're so messed up sometimes? Because we make messed up decisions. God's not testing me. Sometimes I make a dumb mistake, and guess what? There's a consequence that comes with it. I make a dumb decision, and there's something I'm going to have to walk through because of it. But on the other side of it, God's standing there. Then come home. You ain't got to go all the way back and start over again. Come home right now. This is kingdom. Kingdom now. Not kingdom one day in the by and by when I die. You can stand to your feet. The last thing I want to add with this, and I brought it up because a few weeks ago, because I've, I've heard this. Actually, after I preached it, I went somewhere. And we was talking. I've been at school. We was talking, and somebody made this statement. And I had the opportunity to bring up my sermon. Because I said, no, that's not what the Word says. But they had made the comment, they said that, you know, they were so happy that our inheritance was heaven. And that's what a lot of Christians think, because we're born again, because we've asked Him to come into our life. The inheritance that we've gained, inheritance is something that you're getting that you didn't receive. I mean, that you, don't, you didn't earn. You're receiving it, but you didn't earn it. You're inheriting it. And, and a lot of people will say our inheritance is heaven. That's never what the Word says. It's not, it's not heaven. And, well, how do you know that? Because to get an inheritance, the person who gives it must die. The person who gives it must die. It never says anything about the person receiving it dying. And if heaven is my inheritance, then what good is that inheritance? Because I'm dead. If I have to die to get it, it don't mean nothing. It will not, it's not about my death. It's about the death of the one who hung on this cross. And I received an inheritance as soon as he died. And that inheritance was the kingdom of God. Heaven's going to be the byproduct. I'm not, we're not taking that away. But kingdom now. King's domain. We walk with authority. We speak with authority. Things change because I open my mouth. Things change around in a room because we walk into it. And you carry the Holy Spirit. It makes a difference. When I can see myself that way, I can change the people around me. I can change the environment. And I don't even, you know, I don't even have to really preach. Some people say, well, I'm not a preacher. You don't have to be. 
All I got to do is just do what I know to do. And then if somebody, you know, asks you a question, you say, well, I'm not a preacher. Just say, follow me. Follow me. We, we, we turn it around a little bit. We say, come and see. Come and see. Come and see and then go and tell. Come and see and then go and tell. That's the kingdom. It's not about staying in these four walls right here. We got to get out. Wednesday night, some of you are missing a great opportunity on Wednesday nights. I'm going to throw me a plug in here real quick. We do what's called Real Talk Wednesdays. We take what we talked about on Sunday morning, we discuss it. Sometimes we just talk about life issues that people's going through. And then we relate it back to kingdom. Because if this cannot be used in everyday life, it's a waste. And it's not a waste. But I've just got to figure out how do I use it? How do I, how do I begin to use this every single day of my life? That's what we talk about on Wednesday nights. People get to ask questions. We, we, we actually have a discussion. And, and I believe, I honestly, I believe this. I believe people learn more on Wednesday night than they do on Sunday morning. I really do. Even though we don't have but a few here. Them few that's here, they, they're getting a better understanding of this. Just because we're talking and we're communicating about it. So if you, if you want to join us, we've got plenty of seating left on Wednesday nights. We circle a few chairs up and we talk. That's all it is. Somebody needs prayer, we pray. Somebody needs healing, we heal. Somebody needs a word, we prophesy. We let God be God. So we want to invite you to come on Wednesday nights. Uh, join us on that. We're fixing to start up prayer group again where we go out on Tuesdays. We go into people's homes, pray with them. Uh, we take a list, actually. So if you know of anybody, let us know. We take a list and we write them down and we look and see how many can we get to this, this week. And we go into their homes. We bless them. We bless their homes. We, we do what we can. We, we're, we're an example. We're taking what we learned in a church and we're extending it to the community. And we're having an impact. And you know, when you walk into somebody's life and you start healing and you start prophesying, you ain't even got to say, follow me. A lot of times they're going to go behind you. So that's why we got to get out of these walls. Nobody knows we're here. This church is back here in the back behind the blueberry plant. Nobody knows it's here except the ones who, you know, you've been here. We got to get out so that people know where we're at and so they can follow you back. Also, last thing is, uh, did I say 2 o'clock today? 3. Well, the ones that's being baptized, we got about four that's being baptized today. If anybody else wants to be baptized, um, just get us your name. But we've got four that's going to be baptized today. Uh, I think I said 3 o'clock at my house. If We would love for the rest of you to come support these guys. Jump in the pool afterwards, whatever. But uh, you're more than welcome to come show your support. We would love to have you there. Uh, we can give you directions on Johnson Lake Road. We can help you with the directions if you need them. Um, but we're proud of the ones that's being baptized. I'm honored to do it. I, I believe that's just another, that is one of the next steps 
that is just saying that I'm, I'm yes, I'm still a Christian. Salvation, I mean, uh, baptism is not sending anybody to heaven. You're already set for that. But baptism is saying, okay, I'm making a public acknowledgement. I don't like to say it like this because I know people's not hiding, but it's kind of like saying I'm not hiding under a rock anymore. I'm stepping out. This is who I am. So it's making that pu- public, you know, acknowledgement. So we got four people that's going to do that today. Uh, y'all got people y'all want to bring with you. That's fair. Uh, that's uh, fine. And if anybody here wants to come, please come and support because this is a big deal. Um, if anybody else wants to get on the list, I don't mind. I I got two hands. I can keep dunking. We get. <laughs> According to how much junk you got in you, how long we hold you under. <laughs> but if you need directions, let us get, get with somebody. Get with me or Cindy or get with somebody. We'll get you directions. We'll make sure you know how to get there. Um, other than that, Wednesday nights, 7 o'clock. Any announcements? You got anything? All right. I hated to stop. I'll finish this up next week because I, like I, I still got some more stuff, but I didn't want to prolong it. Uh, Cindy then told me I better not be longer today since I preached to one last week. So I figured I'd listen to her for once. Huh? Yeah. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to gather together in your name and just gather together with like-minded people. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in this place. We thank you that we're called to be different. We thank you that even as a church, the, the, the word is ecclesia. It means called out. We thank you that we're called out. It don't mean that we're better than anybody else. It don't mean anything like that. It just means that we're called for a different anointing. And Father God, I thank you for the anointing. I thank you for the purpose and the mission that you called the Rock Worship Center to. I thank you for the people who you have brought together to be a part of this ministry. I thank you for the learning that's taking place right now, Father, for the things, for the identity that's changing. I thank you, Father, that your word says it's for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. I thank you, Father, that this is a church that is not about one person, but it's about everybody coming together, realizing that we're not a member, but we are a minister of the word of God. And as we learn, as we go out, we spread the kingdom message, which is the good news, and we change lives. We influence people. We have impact on people. We have impact on families. We have impact on communities. And Father God, we I know that there's more to come. I know that you've got us in a place right now to where we're just being prepared for what's about to come. I thank you. I, I pray for the ones that's not here, Father. The, yes. We've had people that's left here. I pray for them, Father, that, that the ones that's called to be a part of this work, that you bring them home. We don't, we don't care why they left. We don't care what happened in between. Father, we're just asking if they're supposed to be here in this place with us during this time, bring them home. But, Father, we thank you, and we'll be careful to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen.